0: Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left.
1: How many tackles can one man break?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. (gasps) My goodness. That was good. You guys are pros. The best.
1: Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast for everyone clocking those late night DFS hours. This is our night shift episode for week number two. We are going to break down the Sunday night football and Monday night football DFS slates. And we have not one, but two Monday night football games this weekend. Usually have those in week one, but uh, they switched it up. So we got the, the double header. Here in week two, if you haven't yet, be sure to check out our new player projections episode with myself, Chris Raybon, and Sean Kerner over on the Action Network podcast and our fantasy preview of the main slate right here on this channel. Kerner, what is going on?
2: What's up? Uh excited to have the extra Monday night football game for us to talk about. Any idea why they moved to week 2? Is one of these games like at a neutral site or something that I don't know about? <laughs>
1: nah, I am not sure exactly. <laughs> I, I was wondering that too, but it's possible they just wanted to uh have maximum exposure oh. for that Bills Jets game because that is a pretty that was a yeah. I mean, it was supposed to be a it did live up to the It turned to out to be a different favorite. way than yeah. you expected. <laughs> Yeah. but uh I, maybe that was it i don't know but mm. it should be an interesting one but they do overlap that's the only thing so you have the uh saints game starting first that's at 7 15 eastern and mm. that will be on abc i believe it is and then uh you get the yeah then you get the 8 15 game with the steelers and the Browns, gotcha. and that's on espn so uh it, there are there is a, some overlap but it should be you know, the hour delay usually gets to halftime in the first game and you're, you can still watch the second one. So I uh, should still be able to watch most of them in real time uh, or you can uh, double box it. But uh, before we get to those, we have a Sunday night football matchup. Uh, should be a pretty good one. Miami going to New England to take on the Patriots. Uh, the line is three. I uh, saw three and a half briefly, kind of moving oh, back really? and forth. Oh, I, I saw it. I, yeah, I think it popped <sighs> up. It probably went away again. Um, but
2: <laughs> oh, uh, I
1: saw it there briefly. Uh, the total is 47, 46 and a half, 47. It's been uh, rising, you know, to a through for 466 yards in week one. He's up to second in MVP voting. And the uh, this is a matchup with the third biggest luck gap here so yep. you have the new england patriots as a very unlucky team 114 percent is the luck gap uh, talk to me about the patriots and, and and their luck
2: yeah so um this game has a luck difference of 24 and mm-hmm. a luck gap of 114 percent like you mentioned and dating back to 2018 um if a game were to have just either of those criteria this game has both The unlucky team, so in this case, that would be the Patriots. Went 96 and 54 against the spread, Um, and a lot of that just has to do with the the Patriots were the unluckiest team in Week One. The Dolphins were like the eighth luckiest, so they were more middle of the pack, and I I still like them going forward. But the Patriots, you know, they got off to that rough start, going down 16 to nothing, I believe it was. Um, You know, Mac Jones threw that pick six, and then the very next play on the next drive, they fumbled it away. Um, and you know, the Patriots outgame the Eagles 382 to 251. They had three drives, um, result in turnover and downs. Two were inside the, uh, Eagles, uh, you know, they were in the red zone. So th- this is just a game the Pats probably should have won. Um, it was definitely unlucky they didn't cover the spread, but, uh, this is definitely just banking on the Patriots, you know, bouncing back in terms of luck in week two.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the Dolphins, you know, if we could all be so lucky to face the Chargers' defense.
2: <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> kidding.
1: I mean, like, between that game and the the last playoff game that the Chargers played, I mean, in the last half oh. of the play- I mean, their last six quarters.
2: Last six quarters, yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, <laughs> man.
1: Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. But uh, either way, uh, it should be a great matchup because, you know, last week the Dolphins, it, it was, okay, what are they going to do to counter – what Brandon Staley did probably the Chargers' best defensive performance came against the Dolphins. I was at mm-hmm. that game. Uh, Tua was just flummoxed, and you know they they kind of fixed some things. I, I think started playing like CFL rules with Tyreek Hill, having get that running start. Yeah. <laughs> and, but if, if there's anyone that's going to be able to counter, it's Bill Belichick. I'd put yeah. him pretty high on the list. This Patriot defense a positionless one, uh, you know, that's what he's trying to build anyway. So I, I like this matchup. I think it's going to be fascinating uh, as far as the captain spot who are expecting to have a freak performance in week two. I'm
2: going to go with Ramondre Stevenson here just because I think he could be under the radar. Uh, He's coming off a pretty bad week one where he was actually outrushed by Zeke despite having nearly twice as many carries. Uh, But the underlying usage was there. You know, he saw 60% of the rush attempts. He had a 60% routes run rate. Um, And, you know, he had a tough matchup against the Eagles. So now he gets to face the Dolphins defense that just allowed 90-plus rushing yards to both Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly. Um, So I think, you know, Ramondre Stevenson, um, at least in the captain's thought, will be pretty low-owned. Um, and this is a game where I think there's there's a handful of options, but I think uh, Stevenson is definitely the sneaky play in the captain slot
1: this week. Yeah, and it goes uh, along with what we just spoke about with the luck rankings and how, yeah. you know, if the Patriots are able to somewhat unexpectedly, I mean, three-point spread is not a big deal if the Patriots are, are ahead, but, um, you know, they are a home underdog, so... That means people have the Dolphins, you know, four and a half, five, five and a half points better on a neutral field, which I don't think there's that much separation. So Mm -hmm. I do like that Stevenson call. And I, I mean, you could have just said one sentence like the the Dolphins gave up. (laughs) <laughs> the most rushing yards to opposing backs in the entire National Football Week, like ninety plus, whatever, two hundred and eight in total. Well, I'm to just, I, I, I'm, and I'm this te- is the Charger team that Austin Eckler <laughs> couldn't even get like four yards when they're up thirty points in the playoffs, right? And they ran for two oh eight. Yeah, well, don't don't remind me of
2: that Eckler um, performance because uh,
1: I can't. I slept through. Remember? Oh, that's true. But I had
2: the over on his <laughs> rushing yards. He was like four yards away of clearing, and well, they're up by twenty eight. And he didn't clear it. So that was a horrific beat. But yeah. carry on.
1: I, uh, for all, for all those listening, uh, wondering what we're laughing about, I so we, all, we were all watching it together a wild card weekend. He we had a thing, uh, we we're doing some things in, in New York, and uh, I, I, I passed out. In yeah, the second I think half.
2: passed out after Trevor Lawrence's fourth interception. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, and so i I was joking, he's still going to throw for under over 300 yards because they're going to have to throw every play. And we were arguing about it, and then you just passed out the rest of the game. I think you woke up at the very end, though.
1: Yeah, I did. I did. I did. But, uh, yeah, (laughs) missed some things there. I had to go back and rewatch that one. But uh, for my captain, I'm not going to get too fancy here. I I love Tyreek Hill here. I think all the other offense for the Dolphins, aside from a couple of, you know, things are going to be a lot harder to come by against this Patriot defense. Tyreek Hill, though, He's a freak freak for a reason. He's just really difficult to cover. And you look at this Patriot defense, it's still playing a high rate of man coverage, third most in week one. Tyreek led the Dolphins with seven yards per route against man coverage in week one. But he also led uh, the Dolphins in all categories uh, against man coverage last season and about a yard more per route uh, then Jalen Waddle against man coverage. He was targeted on 26% of his routes against the Patriots last season, uh, six catches, 75 yards, and also scored a rushing touchdown. Um, and Waddle was just targeted nine of 67 routes, just 13%. So I, I do think there is, you know, a some, uh, some bit of separation here between the two and Tyreek. Oh yeah. For good measure. He's tied for the NFL lead in red zone targets with four, red zone catches with three inside the 10 targets with three inside the 10 catches with three and oh yeah he leads the nfl in air yards with 236 69 more than any other nice. human being in the national football league through one week of the season uh so yeah like love me some tyreek he's going to be the guy that, that that the patriots i just think are not going to have an answer for
2: yeah they're probably going to be extreme pass heavy again this week uh Mozart's already missing practice so if i mean if he's banged Actually, up or misses will they I got, ever run I, I got
1: i'm gonna talk about oh, it okay, so i got sorry, a contrarian i hate, I hate I getting contrarian angle on, on, on that. i hate getting um, ahead of myself here yeah 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 but uh let's uh i'm gonna talk about him but let's oh, okay. uh give me your uh value plays first and then and then i'll talk about Moser. um so for the patriot side you
2: know I, i'm going away from my stevenson captain play here and going to zeke elliott um, he looked pretty good in week one and, you know, he could command more touches going forward. Uh, and the reason I mentioned the dolphins allowed two running backs to get over 90 plus yards is because <laughs> I'm kind of implying that Zeke could have a good game as well. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to get that crazy and play Stevenson and Zeke in the same lineup, but certainly I'm going to have shares of both. Um, and then on the dolphin side, I actually like Braxton Berrios here. Uh, he and River Craycraft had like similar lines last week, you know, Berrios, Got three passes for 42 yards, Craigcraft, three catches for 40 yards, but he also had a touchdown. But Berrios ran nearly twice as many routes as Craigcraft. So it, it's pretty clear Berrios is the number three receiver for now at least. Um so I think he he might be overlooked because of, you know, the week one box score. But I do like Berrios here because I, I I do think they're still gonna be able to move the ball through the air. Uh and Berrios, you know, could be a good cheap option here.
1: Yeah, uh, 63% of the routes for Barrios in week one, 33% yeah. for River Craycraft. Both caught uh, three balls over 40-plus uh, yards. And, uh, and, yeah, Craycraft got that touchdown uh, for value plays. Uh, so I'll start with Mostert since you, you mentioned mm. him. So uh, what I'm hearing is this is just a maintenance day. Uh, that was just you know missing practice. That was maintenance. Yeah. Uh, he'll be fine. Veterans Day. And I actually like him because of that, because I think people aren't really going to be too prepared to play him because you're going to see him with the injury tag and the the missing practice. But I actually think they're resting him because he's going to be in for potentially a pretty big workload. Miami had 45 passes and just 13 rushes. I do think they want to be a little more balanced uh, Mm -hmm. this week. And on the other side, New England after Miami puts up nearly 500 yards through the air I think New England's going to be a little more willing to concede uh, the run. And, you know, they, they it's not going to be the same game plan they went into Philly with or, you know, Philly came into their house with. But, you know, went up against Philly with where you really have to guard Philly and that run game first and foremost. Uh, whereas this Dolphin offense, it, it's clear that, you know, you have to protect against the pass at all costs yeah. here. so. I I do like Mostert. I think that injury is going to keep people off of him. He was Miami's leading receiver over Tyreek Hill and the like in week 16 against the Patriots last year, eight Mm. targets, eight catches, 62 yards and a touch. Also 29 yards on nine carries on the ground. He scored in week one uh, as well, played 73% of the snaps. So I, I like Mostert as a, as a mid range play here. And on the other side, Kendrick Bourne, baby. He's back out of the doghouse at you know after a really bad year last year. But he had, remember he had a really good year in Mac Jones rookie year. Mac Jones clearly trusts Kendrick Bourne more than any other Patriots receiver. You're kind of seeing Mac Jones' rookie habits take shape again, right? Like, who are the guys he trusted his rookie year? Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry. Who did who did mm. you see make noise in week one? Kendrick Bourne and Hunter Henry. So Bourne led all New England skill players with a 91% snap rate. He led all New England wide receivers with 56 routes and a 93% route participation rate. The next highest was Kayshawn Boutte with 72%. So uh, a big gap there where Bourne was clearly the number one receiver. So even if Devonte Parker comes back, uh, I think Bourne continues to be that number one receiver. Smith Schuster was benched already. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hearing uh, that – It was not an injury per se. You know, he has been struggling with an injury all camp, but I'm hearing that the Patriots just don't believe he's one of their top three receivers right now. Right, And that is problematic, obviously, for Juju and anyone who invested in, you know, I guess he didn't pay too much for him in fantasy, but, you know, still disappointing, um, you know, that he's already kind of out out of the rotation. But uh, so either way, I think Kendrick Bourne should be in for uh, another potentially big spot here. He had 11 targets, six catches, 64 yards, two touchdowns, 20% targets per route. And he was the only New England pass catcher with multiple red zone targets last week, which is big because Matt Jones threw the ball nearly 60 times. And by the way, Bourne caught both of his red zone targets for 30 yards and two touchdowns. So he leads the NFL in red zone touchdowns as well. So yes, he will regress, but clearly the guy to own, I think, in this New England pass catcher corpse. But there is some intrigue all around with Juju kind of falling out of the rotation and Parker hurt a lot. This is one of the most interesting developments, I think, uh, in fantasy because you have Mac Jones, a high volume guy. You got the guys we thought were going to be the top two Parker and Juju potentially might not be, you know, because Parker, I mean, he hasn't looked that great in in like years now. So um, we could have these young guys. So, uh, I know you like uh, you like some of the, these young guys, so uh, yeah. Talk to me about uh, your dart throw. Do
0: you like darts, Ted? Oh, okay. I'm more of a you know a cornhole man myself.
2: Yeah. Uh, so for my first dart throw, we have to go with the fullback on this slate. Uh, oh because... man, just gonna pivot. Long pass to the fullback. Got a nice block from the fullback.
0: How many tackles can one man break? Oh, look at the fullback down the sideline. Big Run.
1: doing our best to, to keep the fullback position alive and thriving. and make fullback great again.
2: Well, I'm saying he's being up. Like, usually we just mention fullbacks as like a side note, but Ingold is good enough to be a dart throw, if that makes sense. So Alec Ingold, uh, you know, I call him Kyle Juszczyk East uh, because Mike McDaniel, he's coming over from the Niners and he uses Ingold similarly. You know, Ingold saw a 30% routes run rate last week, caught two passes for 34 yards, um, so in a matchup like this, like it would not shock me if he catches a couple balls. You know, he's absolutely a potential vulture touchdown kind of guy. So Ingold um, is my favorite fullback to play in showdown slate. So absolutely fire him up here. Uh, and then on the Patriots side, you kind of allude to it's their wide receiver depth chart sort of wide open. I
1: didn't Kendrick. allude to it, John. I teed you up, and then you went with Al Gingold. Oh, sorry, of just sorry. Going sorry with the with the Patriots. I'm, Roberts, I'm who order i i going perfectly where... segued you into, but
2: um, you yeah. you still called it Week <laughs> One. I, I could say we're, we're I did, having I a rough. Did, I did. i
1: uh...
2: um so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Demario Douglas is a guy that, like, if you're making preseason player projections, he was always like the guy popping off in my model. Um, so his four catch, 40 yard. Week one wasn't really fluky. You know, they, they have been hyping him up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's pretty good, and he ran a 47% routes run rate. Saw a target on 26% of those routes. So Kendrick Bourne, like you said, is obviously the number one uh, receiver in this offense. Douglas might actually be the number two, especially if Juju, uh, his knee injury is worse than we think, and Devontae Parker's still out. Like, Douglas could be their number two. So um, love him on this slate. I don't think the public is really um, – tuned in on him quite yet. So th- this could be the last time he's a dart throw per se. Uh, but I-, I love taking Douglas flyers in the slate.
1: Yeah. Uh, he ran uh, a route on night, ran in the slot about 93% of the time. So, you know, that's kind of the juju role. So if, if they're benching juju, Douglas plays either way, even if Parker comes back, I think it's born Douglas and, uh, and Parker, and you still have uh Kayshawn Boutte as well who uh you know didn't catch any of his targets but was active in, in the game as well so yeah it's this patriots wide receiving core is going to be one to kind of pay attention to especially if uh you know mac jones has to you know they're comfortable with mac jones going a little more high volume they won't always go down 16 nothing but uh either way it's just you know big shake up here so yeah. yeah like douglas as well uh, for my dart throw uh here's a guy i really love that um, I didn't know for sure if his preseason usage was going to carry mm. over, but I've been kind of waiting for them to unleash him. And that's Eric Azukama. And he sure enough is, he, he has potential to go to morph into like a poor, poor man's Debo Samuel type mm. for this offense, because you, you still have uh, Jeff Wilson on IR, you know, the other backs behind Moster, you know, a chain is still kind of, progressing coming back from injuries a rookie uh Azucama played 28 percent of the snaps ran uh a route on 21 percent of the dropbacks got two rushes uh one target and drew a pi and this guy can do things with the ball in his hands he uh, had 14.4 yards a carry on on 10 carries with two touchdowns in his senior year at texas tech two for 52 rushing in the preseason and then two for 17 in week one so you know, if he and he ran around on, you know, like I said, twenty one percent of the dropbacks. So I think over time he's going to start cutting into like your River Crate Crafts uh, of the world. And last year he was inactive. This this year Cedric Wilson was the guy who's inactive. So I I expect uh, EE's role to continue to grow. So I want to buy low on him anytime I can. And this showdown slate is the perfect opportunity. And if you're playing like the three game slate or something like that, uh, love him as like uh, a cheap uh, dark throw uh, Mm -hmm. as well. Just uh, I think this is a guy who can bust off a big play that people really are not, people probably don't even probably, most people probably never even heard of him. Um, Fourth (laughs) round pick was inactive. I think all but one game last year for for Miami. So uh, love him. And then on the other side, Mike Gusecki revenge game, Uh, you know, did not play one inline snap. <laughs> in his Patriots <laughs> debut. So not that he was ever a big inline player, but you called it last year. It was like this dude's gonna have a bad season because, you know, he can't really play in line, but he still played o- over a quarter of his snaps in line. This year he's essentially just another receiver. So yep. uh, you know, he ran around on 42% of the dropbacks, caught three passes for 36 now. High volume game for Mac Jones, but uh revenge game narrative, another receiver, uh, and he's kind of flying under the radar with Hunter Henry usurping him so uh like him as my Patriots' starter but for me it's all about ee yeah
2: all about yeah. E-E. especially for a showdown slate you gotta oh, play yeah. those types of guys but I, I can't believe i didn't think of a gasecki revenge game like i said still early early in the week for me <laughs> uh but love that call and another reason you know if juju smith schuster i'm really worried about this knee injury uh it was albert breer said like it could explode at any given time they're very concerned with his knee Kisicki would step into that role too. Like, like you said, he's essentially a receiver on this offense. So he'd be a player that would, you know, probably get an extra couple targets if Juju can't be, like, play more than 40% of snaps going forward.
1: Yeah, something's up with Juju. And I, you know, I almost wonder if that leak was, you know, they're kind of mm. talking about the knee. I almost wonder if it's just because like again, I'm hearing that he just hasn't been good. And I'm wondering if they kind of leaked that to to soften the blow and kind of blame it on an injury. Because he hasn't been right for uh, over a, a half season now. Remember, you and I were just trying yeah. to figure out what went wrong with him down the stretch last year with the Chiefs. And, you know, he had a couple of big games here and there because you do that with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback and you're, you know, a starting receiver on that team. But he re- he has not been right in, no. you know, since the early part of last year. And even that was yeah. brief. You know, he has got hurt a couple of times at Pittsburgh. He's one of these guys, I mean, maybe he just peaked early in his career and it's yeah. just, you know, it's- just...
2: It's not like he's slowing down because he's 33 or something. He's 26 years old. He's still in his prime. So I'm thinking it's, you know, probably mainly injury related. But yeah, maybe they leaked that to soften the blow. But either way, it just, you know... So he's far. Not in his prime.
1: It, he's not in his prime. No, I, well, I mean, he should be. <laughs> I mean, his prime was like year one and year yeah. two. That that was. His yeah, prime. It seems like Maybe. ten years ago playing <laughs>
2: alongside Antonio Brown, right?
1: Yeah, Matthew Friedman was would always argue with <laughs> yeah. us. Our, our guy yeah. Matthew Friedman, you know, yeah. he's like, you know, who would you take, like Tyree Hill or Juju Smith Schuster? Yep. <laughs> and uh, not nah, kid, but uh yeah, tough, tough going for Juju, but uh, that leaves us opportunity here in DFS, which is what mm-hmm. we love. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Let's go to the Monday night football game. Number one, the Saints at the Panthers. The Panthers are plus three at home. The total is 40. That's at 715 Eastern on ABC. And uh, you have the Panthers as one of the uh, more unlucky teams uh, of week one. You have a uh, 59% luck gap here with the Carolina Panthers.
2: Yeah, and that one, you know, it's only a luck differential of 14, but a big luck gap. Again, we're looking for games with a luck gap over 50%. Um, That mainly just has to do with there's only been one game played, so there hasn't been enough time for regression to really happen there. Um, Plus, you know, the the Saints, they probably should have, covered that spread it seemed like Vrabel was like trying to cover the spread by kicking the field goal there I don't my know man my yeah man. do you have any idea why he kicked there other than just to cover yes. the spread
1: he keeps so I, I'm actually not knocking it because I was watching that game obviously very intent you know yeah you know, I love love betting on the Titans uh as painful as it can be at times but the Titans had the Saints in many a third and long and Uh, I think they were unlucky in their own right because even that play where Carr hits the bomb to Rashid Shaheed to win the game, yeah, that was like a third and nine or something like that. Like it, like there were a lot of third downs where. The Saints should have been dead to rights. And even a, a couple of – I think a drive before that, it was like a third and 12, like four minutes or so to go, and they converted one. I mean, I think Vrabel just had confidence in his defense as mm. he should have. They were getting good pressure. So I don't hate the move. I'm not knocking it. I think it's easy if you're not really paying attention to the game and you just – oh, well, Ray will kick the field goal down four. It's like, oh, uh, what an idiot. But watching that game, I, I completely understood it. If they just make that stop on third and long, they get the ball yeah. back. And they if they could do anything in that game, it was getting the field goal range. So all they would have had to do <laughs> is get back in the field goal range yeah. uh, one last time. Uh, so I don't, I don't hate the move. But uh, either way, um, I, I did think Derek Carr looked a little better than I expected, uh, but not great still. I, I mean, they should have had more points considering all those third downs yeah. they converted. Um, but you know, what are you doing here with the, uh, with the captain spot?
2: Well, you just mentioned him, uh, but I, I'm going with Rashid Shahid in the captain slot. I think, uh, you know, Chris Olave is the more prudent play. Uh, and definitely can't fault you if you go there. Uh, and I will have some teams with Olave in the captain slot, but you know, Shahid picked up where he left off last year. Uh, he had the third highest. Uh, yards per route run uh, last week among receivers. Um, and, you know, he provides the clearest path to upside in the Kaplan thought just because he has big playability. Um, also has other paths as well. He saw two design handoffs uh, for 11 yards. I think that's how he opened his career last year, right? As a rookie, he took a, a handoff for 40 yards for a touchdown. His yeah. first as Cardinals,
1: touch. I want to say, in that Cardinals Thursday night game. I yeah, think yeah, yeah. Oh, he had yeah, a big yeah. play in that or, game, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that was
2: just yeah. an opening Like deep ball, but yeah, I think his very first play was a a jet sweep or something for 40 yards or something. And he's their kickoff and punt returner. So if you do take the Saints defense special teams here, which might be warranted against um, Bryce Young, uh, you can get the double dip here. So I think Shahid, uh, I think a lot of people will have him in the flex, but I think using him in the captain slot is where you can get a real big edge uh, on the slate.
1: Love it. Yeah, that dude was running open, stressing me the hell out with my Titan oh, yeah, <laughs> My Titans plus three yeah. and a half. Um, you know, it was just uh he I mean, what 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 a plot twist it would be if Rashid Shahid is the best Saints receiver. Then then Derek Carr is gonna have a good season and we're gonna be like, damn it. Yeah uh, he, <laughs> But uh you know on
2: par with Olave, yeah, for sure. Did, and Michael did, Thomas, did, as long as he's healthy, he like that's he that's great. a good trio.
1: Yeah, no, I give the I that's one thing I give that organization a lot of credit for. They have been nailing their wide receiver picks. Yeah. Thomas, we kind of forgot about him because he missed a lot of times. But <laughs> let's not forget he was, I think, a second round pick. And I remembered getting him in like the ninth round of fantasy drafts, his rookie year. And just being so pleased that, like, yeah. like it's like an extra, extra stud. Like even as did a they move up to get Olave, or, or, that was the yeah. They commanders. moved up to get Olave. Oh, they did. Yep, I was thinking, yep. I know the commanders. No, moved Dotson up to was get just Dotson. like a, a reach. Everyone thought Dotson was a reach. Yeah, the, the Saints traded a lot of capital to go get Olave. Like yeah, so yeah, something actively. like that. Or it's fifteen. Yeah, it was some, somewhere yeah. in the top half, top half of the first. So yeah, yeah, it was. Um, uh, you know, looks like draft capital well spent. I mean, they're still a little thin. Um, They're aging. They're an aging team. But man, those receivers are going to be open quite a bit. So maybe Carr's not going to have to do too much, but uh, should have had more than 16 points, uh, I'll, I'll say, last week. Um, you know, and would have, I guess, if they that last drive, if they didn't have to kneel it, uh, they probably get at least uh, three more. Yeah, and they, but, they fumbled
2: the opening kickoff, too, right? Like,
1: oh, my God, that right was, off the I was, bat. That was hyped. I was hyped for that. Like, <laughs> and You know, it was crazy because the um, uh, red zone. Like, they were not talking about it. I was watching red zone, and, like, they kept flashing it. And, like, you see the Titans celebrating on the sidelines, and they're just not showing – like, they're not talking about it. They're talking about all the other games on oh, the right. box. And I'm just watching, like, when are they going to start talking about yeah. the fact that The Titans just <laughs> pulled the ball out of his I, hand.
2: I wasn't watching red zone. I got to figure out my new <laughs> process. I was just going back and forth for oh, games at, like, nah, five minutes. And I, I had uh, Jamal Williams over 14 rush attempts. So I was interested in that game. And it's it seemed like whenever I went to the game, they were reviewing something for like fifteen minutes. So I just yeah. stopped watching it.
1: Like, oh my god, so many reviews! Yeah, it was.
2: Yeah, and I don't
1: know. I, I'm are you a are you a fan of like these indoor domes? Like I feel like they, they kind of look like you're playing football in a dungeon. Like they're too dark. Like they're not they're I, not well lit enough. I feel I like. Agree. Like SoFi
2: is perfect because yeah, it's got so the great. Opening on the sides, so I think every stadium should be like SoFi, where it's it's open on the sides.
1: Yeah, I, I I guess I never noticed it as much before. You know, when I'm watching Red Zone, you know, because you have like the eight games and you see all the grass and the and the sky, and then you just see like they cut the Saints Titans or uh, yeah, Falcons, yeah. Panthers, and it's just like they're playing in a closet. Like it's, I don't know, the lighting is just a little odd to me. But uh, I digress. Uh, my captain, love me some Jamal Williams this week. Uh, slow game last week, highly predictable. Tennessee, even with all those injuries in 2022, Tennessee was still the number one run defense in DVOA. Uh, So they're not going to be a team that you, you get much going on the ground on. Carolina, on the other hand, Carolina is ranked 32nd, dead last in Pro Football Focus's run defense grade. Carolina is ranked 32nd, dead last in Pro Football Focus's tackling grade. They are fourth in pass rush, but uh, I think here, whereas you saw Carr and those wide receivers get after it a little bit against the Titans, I think you see a run-heavier game plan. You saw Bryce Young struggle. I I think Dennis Allen's going to come into this game and say, you know what, we just got to make sure we don't make mistakes, Um, hand the ball off against this bad run defense. Williams played 75% of the snaps, and – uh, what I really like to see, he ran a route on 62% of the dropbacks. In Detroit last year, even with mm-hmm. those 17 touchdowns, he was running route what, 15 20% of the time on a weekly basis? Yeah. So a uh, big, big uptick here. Uh, threat for 20-plus touches. The only St. Rusher to carry in the red zone, uh, excluding the Cardinal downs. He had two carries in the red zone. Uh, and Carolina, you know, 25 for 131 with two touchdowns on the ground, to Atlanta running backs. And uh, nine for 46 and one through the air. So uh, for a guy getting, you know, three out of every four snaps in this backfield, uh, he is facing the defense that allowed the most fantasy points in week one to running backs, even more than the Dolphins. So love, 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 love me some Jamal. And I think it sets up perfectly because he had kind of a slow game, even though he had some some volume in week one, mm-hmm. a pretty slow game on the stat sheet. So love, love the buy low opportunity here with Jamal. Okay, where are you going for value? Uh,
2: So I'm actually going to piggyback your Jamal logic here. I I do think, you know, the Saints will have an easier time moving the ball, at least on the ground here, against the Panthers. I do think Jamal's going to have a better game, Uh, especially it looks like Kendra Miller might not play again. Uh, But so I think they're going to have to get somewhat creative as well, other than just giving it to Jamal. So I think this could be a good Taysom Hill game. Um, You know, he only had three rush attempts for four yards last game, which is, you know, pretty low for him. Uh, most weeks. So this is a week where, you know, I, I think they're they're going to get Taysom Hill more involved in the ground. He's not a target. You know, he might get a pass attempt here. Um, I always like taking Taysom Hill on showdown sites, to be honest. So I, I think he's a good value play here. Um, he, he didn't
1: only get a target. He got an end zone target that was overthrown by Derek Carr. Uh, if, if Carr uh, puts a little less air on the throw, Oh, yeah probably can high point it in the back corner of the end zone. So, yeah, like I got to tell yes. you, I was, I was watching that game very closely. <laughs> I have I, a photographic memory of pretty much every play of that game. I
2: do remember that play now. And, yeah, that, that sort of thing is, I mean, they usually play him a ton in the red zone. So he's just – he's always a good pick. I think, you know, that people might overlook him on this slate uh, just because he had such a bad week one. But, he, like you said, he had the potential for more. Um, on the Panthers side, you know – It's tough to call anybody a value play, but I'm going to go with DJ Chark here, Um, provided he plays this week. um, You know, he's still coming back from that hamstring injury. Um, But none of the other wide receivers really stepped up when he was out. All four receivers caught exactly two passes. Um, And Chark is the downfield threat. So if anybody can do anything on two passes, uh, it'd be DJ Chark. Um, So I think he, again, since he didn't play week one, if he does play here, I think he's going to be overlooked on the slate.
1: Yeah, I think Chark can do something, but I'm surprised you didn't go with uh, your boy Jonathan Mingo, man. I actually. I always. I was encouraged.
2: Yeah, I, I shouldn't have to bring him up all the time, but I'm always interested. <laughs> you left me some good interested. players on this
1: slate. Like you I have know, me I with, did, the, right? with the EE. You left me Jamal. Yeah, you left yep. me uh, Mingo here. Uh, so thank you, man. Um, but yeah, I'm, I like Mingo as a value play. 87% of the snaps, 93% of the routes in game one as a rookie. Uh, I think even if chart comes back, I think Terrace Marshall from everything I heard in camp was the one is the one that would kind of bump down to, you know, running with the twos. So um, not, not a guarantee, you know, things change, but I was encouraged from what I saw for Mingo. He caught two of five targets for 17 yards, but he did see some valuable targets uh, missed a missed on a 41 yard uh, downfield mm-hmm. bomb. Uh, and then uh, didn't catch either of his two in the 10 to 20 yard range, but um, overall, he saw a 36% air yard share, which is top 25 among, uh, uh among pass catchers in, in week one. So that's, you know, we, we love, especially on showdown slates. We love unrealized air yards. We love it. So, yep. you know, cause those are the guys that, you know, you, people just looking at the game logs, you know, clicking between different guys, uh, ah, two catches for 17 yards eh, next, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? So Give me all of the Jonathan Mingo, and then another mid-range play, kind of higher mid-range, but uh, you know, I think Olave is going to be the you know the guy. You know, everyone rightfully loves him, but you know, we talked about Shahid. Let's not forget about Michael Thomas because you know he he started the game, played ninety-two percent, played on ninety-two percent uh, of the dropbacks, seven targets, five catches for sixty-one. And, you know, he started on the left side and and played more of his snaps uh, on the left side, which means with J.C. Horn going to IR, C.J. Henderson's probably going to be the guy. And he has really never been a good corner (laughs) in his entire career. Every year, a passer rating above 100. uh, He got roasted for 45 yards on two targets by the Falcons last week. And remember the Falcons only threw for about 130 yards. So that's like, you know, a third of their total against uh, CJ Henderson and Thomas led new Orleans with three red zone targets. He was the only St receiver targeted inside the 10. He was targeted twice. So could have had a much bigger game. So give me some, you know, Mingo unrealized air yards and mm-hmm. some Mike Thomas unrealized touchdowns. Cause last year, remember, I think it was against Carolina. He got, he had a multi-touchdown game uh, early mm. in the year before going down. So uh, love me some Thomas in that, uh, in that mid range. I don't even think you have to stack them uh, with car necessarily unless you put, you can play Thomas in the captain spot. Then you do want to probably stack him uh, Cause I think he is a double, a multi-touchdown threat here, but uh, either way, I like him as a uh, a mid range play uh, this week.
2: Yeah, no, I like both those. And I, I still think that Mingo and young, they might take a couple games that, you know get their chemistry right like in the preseason they just missed on a couple of big plays so it's going to happen eventually cuz Bryce Young's unique like he moves around he has to move around the pocket yeah. cuz he's only 5'10 so sometimes the receivers don't realize it's going to be coming from a certain angle and things like that but yeah once once they get on the same page watch out Mingo is definitely their best receiver i was also impressed with like how involved Hayden Hurst was um in week 1 i think people will take him because he caught five balls 41 yards and a touchdown uh, but the underlying usage is there, too. So I, I do like Hayden Hurst as well.
1: I feel like this is a week where our guy, uh, Joe Gallant, on the uh, touchdown. Uh, <laughs> so he's going to gonna gonna buy low on a Tommy Tremble, uh, you know, anytime touchdown. I remember he had one last year, and it came like Tremble got stopped at, like, the, the, the one-inch line. So still waiting uh, <laughs> for it. But he, I think Tremble did run uh, about nine routes in, in week one. So, you know, mm-hmm kind of segue it into our dart throws, but uh who you got for dart throws? Y'all take your darts over here pretty seriously, huh? Uh
2: so I'm gonna scrape at the bottom of the barrel here <laughs> with the Saints and I'm going with Jimmy Graham. Um, you know, he only ran one or two routes in week one. Um so he's you know simply a touchdown flyer. I, I think if they get in the red zone near the goal line he could be in there. Um and it's it's a prime time game so I'm sure he and the Saints would love, you know, to get him a touchdown uh, but he he did look good in the preseason. Like, again, he's not going to play much this year. But when he does, it's going to be in the red zone. So for a showdown slate, all we're looking for is one catch for two yards and a touchdown from this guy. I think he could do it. Um, and for the Panthers, I'm going to go with, uh, Chuba Hubbard just because he outplayed Miles Sanders in week one. And yes. Sanders also lost the fumble. Um, so, you know, Hubbard definitely earned more playing time. Uh, Sanders probably has a really long leash. I don't think Hubbard's going to leapfrog Sanders by any means. But, you know, this could be more of an even committee uh, this week specifically. Um, Plus, you know, Hubbard was getting like all of the short yardage work. So I would not be shocked if, you know, in some goal line situations, he's the back that's in there. So he has, you know, short touchdown upside as well. So I think Hubbard is uh, really sneaky on the slate.
1: I actually would – well, I'll make that bold call. I I think – that Chuba Hubbard overtakes oh. Miles Sanders. Um, wow. I'm hearing, I'm hearing that in internally, the Panthers already view Hubbard as their best downhill runner. And as you mentioned, they have to protect Bryce Young. Clearly, it's mm. not going to work just dropping him back, uh, you know, 40 times a game. So I think we're going to see a lot more of Chuba Hubbard and, you know, we kind of started to see a glimpse last year once they traded McCaffrey, but then Deontay Foreman was just so good that, you know, it it went from (laughs) almost almost (laughs) like a 50, 50 split into Foreman kind of just stole the show. Well, now you're kind of back in that situation with Chuba Hubbard. And then, you know, kind of a more traditional starting running back, but I, I totally agree. I think, Hubbard passed the eye test I think Hubbard's better in the passing game and if Hubbard's the better downfield runner then why is he not the starter right you know exactly like what is Miles Sanders I'm not not, not hating on Miles Sanders but you know (laughs) Um, they are
2: paying Miles Sanders way more money yeah Uh, that'd be the only reason at this point
1: man Carolina I feel for y'all because I I I I just don't think Frank Wright and, and Fitterer are the right men for this job I I think the best case scenario would be for Carolina to kind of bottom out this year, complete fire everyone and then complete reset. You still have a great quarterback in in young and, and some great pieces on that defense. Yeah. But uh, I really, you're, you're starting to see it already, right? Like, I mean, you come out in week one and you just get blown out by the Falcons who, you know, be, Desmond Ritter had three incompletions. I mean, it, it, this it's you just you pay all this money for Sanders it, 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 Hubbard's already better than him. Like it's you're just <laughs> seeing it like one yeah. by one. You're just starting to see this uh, crumble around this team. So yeah, I'm not a big believer in the in the Panthers, but everyone knows that already. Uh, for my dart throw, uh, Juwan Johnson kind of devolved into a dart throw a little bit uh, with all these tight ends on the Saints. Uh, so I'm gonna go with him. Just kind of a low end play. He's not a true dart throw, but a quiet three catch thirty six. Uh, Yard performance in week one, but underlying metrics, good. 82% route participation rates, Uh, even ran seven more than Rashid Shaheed, which uh, Mm. kind of surprising. And I did take note of that Atlanta game, you know, another one of those dungeon (laughs) dome games. I was, you know, kind of had, had, had to look hard to find these guys, but uh, Atlanta completed 11 of 12 passes against the Carolina linebackers, uh, Frankie Louvu, Shaq Thompson, uh, so I do think Johnson's going to have some opportunities and remember Kyle Pitts had three catch, three targets, two catches, 44 yards. Doesn't look like much, but that was 38% of Atlanta's receiving yardage. So I do think, you know, to your point about Jimmy Graham, I do think the tight ends could play uh, a little bit bigger hmm. of a role. So probably not like a running back catch the ball week, uh, for the saints. Uh, I do think they have some, some edges on on the outside and, uh, at the tight end, uh, position and then, and then you know, on the ground. So, I, you know, I know Carolina's the unlucky team here, but I'm having a hard time kind of coming around, I, <laughs> you know, just like in week one, it was like, man, the, the books are just begging you to take this, the, the Panthers with the hook. Falcons yeah. favored by three and a half. Couldn't do it. And uh, glad I didn't because – um, yeah, it, it's, it's going to take some time, but, uh, Visca mm-hmm. is going to be my dart throw for the Panthers. Um, you know, another poor man's Debo. I don't think his role will be affected if chart comes back, uh, 32% of the snaps, 26% of the routes, two targets, two carries, one carry, uh, came in the red zone and Bryce young, again, pressured 45% of the time and was just, uh, two for 10 for 23 yards with two picks on passes, 10 plus yards down the field. So what does that tell you? Carolina is going to need to manufacture offense. That's why I like your boy Hubbard. Uh, and that's why I think uh, LaVisca Chenault is going to get another four or five touches uh, this week. And, uh, you know, will probably be overlooked. But he's still, you know, we, we saw him take a, I think, a screen pass to the house against the, uh, I think it was the Falcons last year on, a, on a, a prime time game. So he's still got some juice. Didn't quite pan out as a starting receiver, but yeah. I do like him as a dart thrower.
2: Yeah, he's. I mean, well, he was a second round pick, right, out of Colorado. Uh, He's very talented, and I think he is the type of pass catcher they need uh, to get more involved with Bryce Young. Like Bryce Young isn't a downfield thrower. I didn't like the DJ Chark uh, signing, so I think yeah, like going forward, even if Chark comes back, I think they have to get Chenault and Mingo obviously uh, more involved in this offense.
1: You know what you know who would have been really great for Bryce Young? I know he didn't have a great week one, but DJ Moore. DJ Moore would have been that. Oh yeah, he would have been He would have had a perfect fit <laughs> right? for Bryce yeah. Young. Are you like, kidding a, me? Another reason yeah. I just not a believer in only, is Panthers Brain days. Trust. Like yeah. I, 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 listen, I'm not an NFL GM. I, I don't pretend to be one of those guys, but yes, I'm pretty exactly. sure that like you have to I know you need to get that deal done. Find any other way. Like, any, yeah. like if you're going to get if you're going all out for a quarterback, I mean, honestly, if you had it, if it had to be Burns or somebody on the defense, because you're going for your franchise quarterback, like trading your best receiver, it just, it just didn't make sense. Yeah. And now look, look, here we are. Look at where we are. So <laughs> let's move on to the final Monday night game, eight 15 Eastern ESPN. You have the Browns who look very, very good. Uh, at the Pittsburgh Steelers kind of I guess this is uh this would be a Tomlin rah-rah spot you know coming off a big loss home underdog divisional game low total so you know the Steelers are going to get up for this game uh but with that being said who do you like in the captain spot uh I have to
2: go with George Pickens here um just because you know Deontay Johnson's out Pat Frymuth is banged up. I don't know if he'll play. He could be limited. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's you know. good. Okay. Yeah. He, I mean, he got knocked out the chest injury. I figured. Yeah. Uh, but either way, Deontay's out, so Pickens will be, you know, the clear number one receiver. Um, you know, it's not an ideal matchup against the Browns. Uh, you know, they just held Joe Burrow and the Bengals, day two passing yards. Uh, but I think Pickens is good enough to overcome even a tougher matchup. Uh, but I, I am really looking forward to his matchup against the Raiders next week without Deontay Johnson but I think in this game even if it is pretty chalky uh I'm gonna have to go with George Pickens in the captain slot
1: yeah I mean this Browns team was really good so you could get some game script uh you know some trail game script and the Steelers and I'll get to this because there is a guy I kind of like a guy you know both of us haven't really liked but I, that I do like this week uh but you know the Steelers over 50 dropbacks last week and you know yeah. a lot of it was you know getting down <laughs> pretty quick to the uh to the Niners but still promising sign for their pass catch, especially now with Deontay kind of out of the picture uh, concentrates the target share. And I think Pickens uh, is, is a great talent. You know, it remains to be seen how, how Pickett uh, develops, you know, now that it's not preseason anymore, but (laughs) I, I, I have on record as saying, I, you know, I was taking Pickens everywhere. So I'm totally on board. I I will have some of him in the captain spot as well, but got to go with my guy, Nick Chubb um you know I, I know he what is it jerome ford also got 15 carries and so maybe yep. hopefully people will get a little scared off but i <laughs> i loved what chubb was doing in week one i mean he had 18 for 106 nice little efficient game on the ground and he caught four passes on four targets on just 12 routes so like if we're getting pass catching nick chubb i yep. mean he he's overall rb1 you know he's got he's got to catch up to mccaffrey but like it's in it's in play, you know, if he's going to to be catching passes. Pittsburgh allowed the third most uh rushing yards to opposing running backs. A lot of that was, you know, Christian McCaffrey, but Pittsburgh did allow 162 yards uh to the Niners backs. And oh yeah, Cam Hayward, big presence mm-hmm. in the middle of that Pittsburgh defensive line, not going to suit up uh, you know, divisional game, physical,
0: Tomlin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah just this is a Nick Chubb game all day, man.
2: Yep, can't can't fault you there. Uh Nick Chubb with receiving upside is Woo! a top three back for sure. Oh yeah. Uh okay, value players, what do you got? Let's see. Uh on the Steelers side, gotta go with Calvin Austin. Uh because he probably will get the biggest increase in terms of playing time with Deontay out. Uh you know, your boy Alan Robinson.
1: <laughs> he's he's already he maxed Pretty out. good. There, looked but... in, like, <laughs> exactly. uh, he
2: looked good. Oh, uh, he looked great. Yeah. Best he's looked in, like, years. Exactly. He looked good. But his playing time's already probably maxed out in the 85% routes run range. So there's only so much he can go up. But, you know, Calvin Austin had six catches for 37 yards with just a 54% routes run rate. So that could be closer to 80% this week. So I love his upside. Uh, plus he's, you know, the Steelers uh, punt returner uh, and kick returner, I believe. So, you know... You could use the Steelers' defense special teams with Calvin Austin for the double dip. Um, would make sense against Deshaun Watson, who threw probably the ugliest interception I've ever seen in my oh, entire life yeah, last Yeah, I saw that. Um, <laughs> I that. Uh, yeah, so uh, love Calvin Austin on the Steelers' side. And then the Browns' side uh, have to go with Donovan Peoples-Jones just because, you know, he's a guy that has a wide range of outcomes because he is more of the downfield threat Uh, He had a quiet week one, only caught one ball for 12 yards. Um, But, you know, he he had an eight out of 15 and a half. So if if the Browns do get in a situation where they have to throw more, you know, they didn't have to throw much last week. Um, He's a good boom bust type of option for a showdown slate.
1: Yeah, you know, last year, uh, years past, it's been, uh, what do we, uncover like Robert Tunyon, KJ Osborne on this pod. This year, Deontay Hardy, Calvin Austin, Guys that, you know, he we was like, these guys are probably going to play a lot more than people think. Uh Musgraves, and now oh, you know, yeah, I, th- Musgrave, yeah. I, I think uh Hubbard's going to be next. I think E.E. E. <laughs> is going to eventually be the number three receiver for the Dolphins. Yeah. Um, so you're just putting that, those out there. But, yeah, I love the Calvin Austin call. Finally took a, a player I wanted because he yeah. got in the outline before. I finally we... got
2: there. Took three yeah. games.
1: <laughs> uh, but I, I, so I'll go head-to-head <laughs> with you on the DPJ. I, I like Elijah Moore more. more. Then, uh DPJ, uh, another guy who I'm hearing, you know, like a uh, broken record, but I'm hearing they want to use Elijah Moore a little like Debo Samuel. And in week one, he did get two carries for 19 yards, and he was Cleveland's leading receiver with, you know, modest, you know, six targets, three catches, 43 yards on 28 routes. But uh tied for the team weed with an 80% route rate. uh Amari Cooper did sit out some snaps, yeah. but. I think I would say DPJ's role is a little more in jeopardy because Moore is the shiny new toy who they're trying to include, you know, get, you know, feature a little more. So I, I'm a little more worried about DPJ uh, because you also got Goodwin that they want to work in. you got a uh, Tillman as well, mm-hmm. you know, some dart throw. So uh, I like more here again, just trying to find these like, you know, poor man's Debo Samuel type roles and on the Steelers, uh, obviously Austin was going to be my first choice, but I'm a little <laughs> contrarian here for this pod. Anyway, you know, we've been kind of ragging on Najee Harris all off season long. And what did he have? Like three carries, six carries last in week one, six
2: carries for three yards or something like that. Oh yeah. Um. yeah. But,
1: but, <laughs> but what if like right there with Rabel is a man named Mike Tomlin, whose teams always get up for these kind of games. And, who wants to have a physical run first identity? You know who's going to be more pissed than anyone that the Steelers had 52 dropbacks and nine design runs last week? Not Najee Harris, not Matt Canada, not Kenny Pickett. It's going to be Mike Tomlin. And so I think there's going to be a mandate to feed Najee Harris the football. And oh, yeah, Najee has never played Cleveland and failed to score a touchdown. He has at least one touchdown in all four career meetings with the Cleveland Browns. So uh, if there's any time to play Najee Harris, it's this week. And then maybe you sell high if he mm. gets you like, you know, you know, 50, 60 yards and a touch or, you know, 20 carries, 63 yards and, and a touchdown. That's kind of the Najee line, uh, <laughs> yeah. the standard Najee line. Uh, but um, I did notice Anthony McFarland mixed in a little more, so I could have also gone Jalen Warren here, but I'm gonna go Najee first because again, I just think I do think they want to get that physical presence going in this game, so I do think this is gonna be kind of a Najee game. Even the long term, uh, I'm a little more bullish on uh, on Jalen Warren.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I do like that call if, if Harris has a good game, which is certainly possible here. Sell high because Jalen Warren's coming. Um, and I, I does Anthony McFarland snaps like when they were down by. 50 points
1: I, I, I don't mean, think yes he was no. early on I but I do so I was hearing that they were gonna have a role for him this year that he yeah. did have a good camp and that's I think I mentioned it when we were talking about Warren I was like that is one thing it's like you know McFarland you know they are they might involve a third back this year and he had two uh targets on five routes yeah uh, and both of them came in the red zone so I mean oh, it's not it. nothing it's something it's something to, <laughs> it's something to pay attention to I'm not saying he could have yeah. zero snaps this week but uh definitely exactly. A dart throw for me, uh, but uh, uh, who, are your, who are your dart throws? Uh,
2: so I'm really scraping the bottom, bottom of the barrel with the Steelers. I'm going ultra dart throw here. Connor Hayward, uh, who saw a 25% routes run rate last week, mainly due to, you know, Pat Firemouth leaving the game due to injury. I think Darnell Washington also got banged up, and it was a blowout. So not expecting 25% routes run rate here, but, you know, they – like, all preseason, they were mixing him in. They were using him as running back at times. Like, he's a player. Yeah. They were getting creative. Like, and he's really efficient. Whenever he is on the field, it's like they give him the ball and he's efficient. So, you know, he's the guy where I would only consider him on a showdown slate, especially what could be a lower-scoring matchup like this. Um, So I love taking some Hayward uh, flyers in this game. Um And then, you know, Jerome Ford, I think, on the Brown side, he might be kind of popular because he did – essentially split work with Chubb uh, last week, kind of down the middle. That was mainly due to the blowout, but there is a chance they do carve out like a cream hunt type of role Mm -hmm. for him. Uh, They, they do like to just limit Nick Chubb. They don't want to run Nick Chubb into the ground, especially this early in the season. So there could be, you know, five to 10 touches for Ford, um, especially if, you know, the Browns do win this game handedly. So I I think taking some Jerome Ford shares uh, here works as well.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, going back to Hayward, Another guy, you know, can catch it, can run it. Another poor man's Samuel, not Debo. <laughs> oh. Poor man's Jalen Samuels. Remember oh, him on the Steelers? Yeah, A little tight yes. end, halfback, kind of fullback hybrid.
2: <laughs> Damn! Yeah. Didn't he end up with like he was on like the Cardinals practice squad last year? If I had to recall where he fizzled out. Yeah, he kind of fizzled yeah. out.
1: Maybe the Texans. Yeah, he's been bouncing around um i'm not sure if he's future xfl star i'm sure oh yeah yep 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 yeah he last played in uh, an actual nfl snap in 2021 with the texans but uh okay yeah uh, great comp great comp by the way (laughs) i do like i do like hayward that's why they got rid of uh, the the watt brother because they're like you know we're just gonna use hayward as the fullback yeah tight and they got rid of gentry so they you know he's gonna be our other tight end so yeah they like him they like him a lot Uh, i already mentioned mcfarland who by the way you can stack with the steelers d again mike tomlin rah rah spot don't ever uh, think that like this will be an easy game for Cleveland uh, because it won't. (laughs) So, you know, if you want to stack McFarland with that defense, uh, he had three kick returns for 91 Mm. yards. So average over 30 a pop on the returns, um, you know, kind of just a little extra bonus, but for the Browns, give me some Marquise Goodwin, give me some unrealized air yards. No catches on two targets, but a 43.0 average depth of target. So he led the Browns with a 31% air yard share. He had 86 air yards, uh, a 23% uh, route participation rate, and he was targeted on a quarter of his routes. And that's consistent with what we've been hearing out of Brown's camp is that they acquired Goodwin, not as just like a throwaway random, you know, veteran. Like they wanted to get faster. Also, why, you know, they're going to feature Elijah Moore, but they wanted to get faster. And I think they're going to have a few shot plays designed for Marquise Goodwin each and every week. So uh, at some point he's going to realize those, you know, <laughs> that 43.0 a dot, and uh, you're going to get like a, an 80 yard touchdown. So it reminds me of, oh man, what is yeah, not What even. team? The, what team? It was like the—I think it was the Vikings or the Niners. It was this—it's this that the skinny wide receiver that had like two touchdown catches on like a primetime game, and I'm blanking. Recently, on it was—I was like in the like late 2010s. Uh, oh, I, 2010s. It's gonna kill me. It's gonna kill me. I'm gonna—I'll oh, I'll, I'll tweet it out when I think of his name, but um, I remember because I was on him in, in DFS, and like nobody was on him. And uh, <laughs> Aldrick Robinson. Aldrick Robinson. Oh, Aldrick Robinson. Yeah, he had like a. Multi-touchdown game, just one random prime time <laughs> game. And I was all over it, and it like it was just nice. the greatest thing ever. But uh, that reminds me, like Goodwin's going to do that for somebody uh, this year. That is going to do it here for our Night Shift uh, podcast for week two of the Fantasy Flex. Be sure to check out uh, the full list of luck rankings at ActionNetwork.com for more great fantasy content from Kerner and I. Be sure to check our full player projections episode, which is out now on the Action Network podcast channel as well as our fantasy preview episode right here on the Fantasy Flex channel where we break down the main slate. Actionnetwork.com for our NFL betting and fantasy content. Fantasylabs.com for our DFS tools and models. Find us on X. Sean is at the underscore OddsMaker. I'm at Chris Raybon, and we're at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. Until next week, let's get this money.